Hi, I'm John Chang, and you're listening to the Science Line podcast. This is the sound of science. After many weeks of delivery food and late nights internetting on the couch, I decided that I should try and do something to get back into shape. I ran a 5K once, so I decided to lace up my sneakers, attach an MP3 player to my armband, and headed on out to Prospect Park. I knew that it wasn't going to be great, but I had no idea that I would sound this bad only four minutes in. This was awful. I was never an athlete, but I mean, come on. I was doing heavy mouth breathing after only four minutes of what could best be described as a light jog. My friend Alex was the same way when he started running about a year ago. I could barely go a mile because I was like trying to run it fast. I was like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> it's really bad. But he got through it literally step by step, though the process was an arduous one. I think I got up to about like three or four miles by myself and I was like, this is really long. <laughs> he signed up for a running class and with the help of his peers and coach, he learned a few tricks on how to be a better runner. It's okay to go slower than other people if you can't go that fast. Also, you're just going to wear yourself out. I mean, that's the big thing. That's what I had to do today a lot, a lot. And what was today? Today was uh, ran the Staten Island Half Marathon. I, Nothing to me now <laughs> compared to back then. And ultimately, what are you doing in like three weeks? <laughs> I'm gonna run a marathon in a few weeks, <laughs> which is really scary. <laughs> Let's say you're planning early for your next New Year's resolutions and that you wanna run a marathon. There are right ways and wrong ways to go about doing it. Here are a few tips that runners, coaches, and researchers can all agree on. Tip number one, slow down. It seems counterintuitive to slow down in a race, but Jonathan Kane, a running coach from Jackrabbit Sports, says it's a common mistake he sees a lot in new runners. You know, a lot of folks feel like they need to test out that speed and they need to do those long runs faster. Um, and almost inevitably what ends up happening is one of two things. Either they don't get to the starting line because they get themselves hurt in the process, or they've left their best run somewhere in Central Park in the middle of September or October instead of on race day. You know, it's funny because a lot of times people think that the biggest thing a running coach has to do is sort of crack the whip all the time and push their runners, but sometimes you have to hold them back a little bit. Robert Chapman, the Associate Director of Sports Science and Medicine for USA Track and Field, also sees the benefit to slowing down. It's not just something that applies to the training, but even to the day of the race itself. Their first half of the race might end up being slightly slower and their second half of the race being slightly faster. And it's not because they have this great surge of energy at the end. It's because they selected pace properly for the first part of the race. So a key thing for people to go out, you're all excited about being in the race. You're happy to be there and get going. But it's very important to be in control for that first part of the race and choose an appropriate conservative pace early and a lot of times that'll lead to better performances late in the race. Tip number two, invest in shoes. Your average pair of sneakers aren't going to cut it for a marathon. They might work for quick races, but the damage starts adding up the more miles you run. You can thank Newton's third law of motion for that one. Every force has an equal but opposite force. Jay DeSherry, the head of the biomechanics lab at Rebound Physical Therapy in Bend, Oregon, explains more. 
uh, if you stand right now, um, you know, I'm standing, and, and so gravity's pushing me down to the ground, gravity's pushing back up towards me, uh, my muscles are producing uh, a force of, you know, one time my body weight to kind of keep me upright. Um, if, I, uh, if I start to walk, those forces don't increase a whole lot. They'll increase about 110%, so very little above this quiet stance. Um, so if you get to running, those forces increase about two and a half to three, uh, to three times our body weight. So um, the, 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 the you know, demand placed on you to try and counteract um, you know, the force of nature increases. It's all based on your own muscular and skeletal structure. There is no one-size-fits-all policy for running shoes. It's key to remember that the right pair of running shoes for you might not be the right pair of running shoes for me. So, and what happens a lot of times is people say, oh, well, my friend, he ran a 230 marathon and he runs in that shoe, so I'm going to get that. Well, your friend might be bigger, smaller than you, might have a different stride, probably does have a different stride because he's faster than you, might have a different structure to his foot. So there are lots of good running shoes out there, but it, it's important to make sure that you get in the right running shoe. And that's why you know, there are more and more specialty shops now that can help put you in the, the, the right shoe for you. Um, that form that we have when we, when we run in shoes increases uh, the, what's called the torque, or imagine the rotational forces around the joint. So imagine if you're opening a door, you're turning a knob and you're pulling, so you're putting a rotational force to open the door. Um, so when you have shoes on, um, we see the rotational forces around certain joints increase markedly. Um, when you talk about the knee, uh, basically kind of if you flex and extend your knee, we have an increase of about, 30, uh, about 32% uh, acting on that bending force. That's extra work I have to do uh, for my quads uh, and that, that can overwhelm my body. Tip number three, carbo load, but in moderation. Many marathons offer a pasta zitter the night before the race. The underlying logic is that you store all those excess carbohydrates overnight and that you can burn them for fuel in the morning while you run. And, you know, the sort of old school is people just sort of shoveling as much spaghetti down their throat as they could. And that sort of, that's, that's one of the reasons why you see so many people in the porta potty as the gun goes off on race day. If you've got a 15-gallon tank in your car, you can keep pumping gas all you want. Same thing with your glycogen levels. So overeating just tends to lead to GI distress and feeling kind of bloated on race day. Usually if they eat a normal diet, probably the diet they've been eating all along, coupled with the decrease caloric expenditure, they'll usually fill that glycogen tank up. So they just have to, they have to be attentive, make sure they're eating good calories, relatively high in complex carbs, and never being hungry. But I don't, at this stage of the game, I don't want my athletes, you know, shoveling pasta down their throats on race day or, or you know, the night before the race. The goal is to try to see if you can eat um, 10 grams of carbohydrate for every kilogram of body weight. That's about 2.2 pounds. Well, let's say if you're, uh, you know, a 170-pound person, mm -hmm. that's going to be about, you know, a 70, 75-kilogram person. So you're talking about eating, you know, 700 grams of carbohydrate a day. That That's a tremendous amount. And it's it's actually hard to actually eat that much carbohydrates, so it becomes a little more effective to try to drink your carbohydrates. When you run 26 miles, you will need to not only rehydrate, but to replenish calories. This is all a lot of information, so in case you need a quick crib sheet of tips, 1. Take a slower pace than you think you're capable of. 2. Buy a good pair of running shoes that suit your own needs. 3. Load up on carbs before and during the race, but don't go overboard. Chapman says that a lot of the mistakes that first-time marathoners make don't have to do with the physical act of running. 
you think about all the amount of time and effort and training that you put into getting fit for the marathon, and sometimes what trips people up is making very simple mistakes because they're not prepared on some of the logistics in terms of uh, clothing, in terms of timing of a pre-race meal, the shoes that they wear, the socks that they wear, having Vaseline for areas that might chafe during the race, just simple things like that can have a huge effect on the ultimate outcome. Like any other person, a runner is also a creature of habit. Practice under the same conditions that the marathon will have. If all goes well, you hopefully won't be a crumpled mess like I was after my four minutes of running, when even little kindergarten kids were blowing right by me. They did say to go at a slower pace, right? This podcast has been brought to you by ScienceLine.org. I'm John Chang. Thanks for listening.